welcome to episode 347 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a wonderful conversation with regular contributor, writer, social critic, and sports enthusiast, Bruno Milo. Bruno and I talk about holidays and commercialism, living off the grid, creature comforts, our towns, our country, and what makes them tick, about apathy, turning around corruption and nepotism, asking for forgiveness instead of permission, self-awareness, and how oppression is subjective, immigration too, a tumultuous sometimes, but for sure, poignant and energetic conversation with Bruno Milo. We have an EW essay titled Loose Leaf and a reading by Dr. Michael Pavise of the great Walt Whitman, a piece called Sleep Chasings, and a poem titled Handfuls. Of course, too, as is always the case, all of this will be imbued, infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 347 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. I'm 
Once upon a time, this love of mine seemed sublime. I would wear it well, so sensitive to touch and smell, and the woman folk rarely approached this ethnic fulcrum of a ne'er-do-well. Now, as I have become more aged, stayed and aloof, poof, all I can think about is finding me a good home, though still does revisit the hankering to howl at the moon and roam. Not to anyone, really, just seeking people to realize me dearly, because I cannot seem to find myself on my own. A lost soul, as a girlfriend's mother with an English accent from quite a long time back, aptly surmised and confidently spoke out loud. As I stood there in a languishing crowd, a slice of Napolitan pizza in one hand and a Pennsylvania porter in the other, my loose-leaf tobacco pouch in my front pocket with brown apple slices and rolling papers intermingled inside. I can take a hint, but I cannot take a bribe. The biggest problem is the way I interact and overly imbibe. I just want to feel real, worth something good, and to be truly alive.
Hello? Bruno Milo, is that you? My old friend E.W. Conundrum, how are you? I'm good. It's nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock on Tours once again. Regular contributor, writer, social critic, and sports enthusiast, among other things, Bruno Milo. Yeah. Thanks for having me, W. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Same here. Same here. Uh, we're in the in the middle of, I guess, amid the holiday season, and you know these Western this Western civilized nation, quote unquote, of the U.S. How how you how you doing? Well, I enjoy Thanksgiving. It's my favorite of the holidays. I love the festiveness of it. That's a word. I just made it up. If it's not. Uh, so I had a good time. I enjoyed Thanksgiving. I like more than Christmas, actually. So, well, that's I'm, because, I'm good. How about you and your family? Uh, we had a grand time. I I really enjoy Thanksgiving as well. Uh, it's less. You you and I have discussed this before. Less commercial, you know, uh, for one, and uh, more about just spending some quality time. Although, don't you find the the commercialism of of uh, the the Christmas, uh, you know, shopping is kind of sort of uh, e- eking its way into Thanksgiving. I suppose it has a way of seeping into every aspect of life. Uh, we live in a capitalist commercial society, I guess, so it's going to invade us anyway, no matter what we do. It's hard to avoid it. I should live off the grid, right? Right, right. Unless you live off the grid, and you're not willing to do that, are you? No, I like my creature comforts too much. So, yeah, yeah. What What are your creature comforts? Well, living inside is a nice one. I enjoy very much. Um, I have a few foods that I enjoy. I don't think I do well without uh, pizza. The number one. It may sound a little juvenile, but it's true. I enjoy my za. And that uh, would be hard. And I know living off the grid to me is, you know, not necessarily living in a cabin somewhere, but living without all the, uh, what do I say, uh, things that might make life a little easier. Uh, electricity being one of them. So, And I guess you can actually get electricity without being on the grid as well. But I'm not clever enough to do that, so. <laughs> well, I'm not going to dispute you there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the creature comforts and all. You know, I de- sometimes as as I an ideal. You know, I think both of us would say it is it is uh, probably admirable to 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 uh, fathom or to try and and live off the grid because it's better for the natural environment. It's probably better for your soul and your spirit and all of that. You're not being part of the establishment, but it's not so easy. No, it's not. It's a commitment that I'm not willing to make. So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, nonetheless, we're doing the best we can. I think you're a good person, even though, you know, you, you've been sucked into the system and you're like myself, pretty much, you know, uh, uh, servile and subservient to the the normative culture and this this uh, shill game that uh, constantly uh, misdirects us into nothingness. Is that too heavy? 
I suppose that's true. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, it is. I don't know where you're going exactly. That sounds a little bleak, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> we're just having some fun. I wanted yeah, to hear you. On a lighter side. <laughs> Let, yeah, let's go to a lighter side here. So, our towns, our country, and what makes them tick. Nice segue, actually. Sure. Do you have any, you know, what, what, how do you define what our towns are, our country, what it is, and, and what makes uh, all of it work or not? Well, uh, that too is a complex question, I think. Our towns, I guess, are conglomerations of people where we all live together in some kind of, of way where we all try to get along and live our lives and uh, in a civilized society where we have a government, and in our town in particular, it doesn't run that well. Uh, it's crippled by corruption, uh, nepotism, cronyism, and all kinds of other isms. Uh, so I think that our town, our town, in our town in particular, Scranton, Pennsylvania, is a contradiction in some ways, but I think like many towns around the country, it's fallen into some disrepair, but it's trying to work its way out and finding it's not as easy as we might think. And I think apathy plays a part on the part of the citizens. Uh, recently, we had an election here where 38% of the people in the city voted. Uh, and elected a mayor who did not win a majority of the votes, but rather a plurality of the votes cast. So I don't think we have a mandate for the mayor, a, a clear one. Uh, she it's a she, as you know, and uh, she'll have her work cut out for her. There's no doubt about that. You're talking about and, Paige. Uh, it's going to uh, take more than one minute. Yeah. Yes, Paige Cognetti is her name. So, And uh, it won't be easy. And anybody who thinks that she's going to come in and turn things around in four years, I think is sadly mistaken. So, Because of the ingrained but, corruption uh, and nepotism and all of that, is that why, do you think? Or because you don't think she I has believe the so. I think that's going to play a big part in it. I, well, I don't think for anyone, no matter how smart you are, no matter how well organized you are, to turn around a culture and to make a dent in changing a culture like this, it's going to take longer than four years. It's going to take more than one person. It's going to take a succession of people who are mayor who have basically the same idea. And that'll mean that you'll have to have people in city council who have basically the same idea. And it's going to take a more involved citizenry to do that. I'm very worried about the state of Scranton, Pennsylvania, to tell you the truth. I don't see it turning around in my lifetime, and uh, I'm not, I don't mean it's going to crumble entirely, but it's not going to change much in the next four to ten years, I don't think. Not really. Uh, so maybe I'm just being cynical. I'll, I would certainly admit that I am very dubious of the current people in positions of power, so we'll have to see what happens, but I wouldn't say I'm optimistic right now about the the near future of Scranton, no. Yeah, and I mean, Scranton is is really, uh, I think, emblematic uh, and, and and similar to many many middle sized cities and small small towns uh, across this nation. Uh, you know, we're not the only ones who are dealing with this, but you know, we have to care about our uh, place because this is where we are. Um, and I, I'm sure there are people out there listening that can relate to what we are talking about. Maybe it's a bit worse. Maybe it's a bit better. Uh, maybe it's exactly the same. I don't know. Though I, I agree with you. Uh, it's not one person is not a savior. It takes 
uh, it takes a you know a shift in in thinking uh, you know uh, throughout the 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 communities that make up the neighborhoods the you know the electorate the the citizens uh, for for the nepotism and the corruption to end uh, you know and apathy apathy is a big part you're right a lot of people just can't deal with it anymore and I, it's easy I could understand why people would get apathetic because it's so disheartening to see it over and over again. You, you know, oftentimes, and you could put this on a national level, you hear about people, they're going to come in and make all these changes and they have all this rhetoric and, you know, all these, all this vision and it, you know, it's great to hear. But then as you, after you've been around for about four or five decades, you've seen it a few times and, and you've seen it lead to nowhere. And, uh, uh, you're like, okay, yeah, here it is again. So maybe you get a bit cynical. But maybe it's just skepticism. Maybe it's not cynicism. You know, you've seen it. You're not easily uh, convinced or fooled, wh- whatever it may be. No, you're right, exactly. And I think that we have been fooled and we've grown a little uh, cautious of the people around us, and as we should. And in my example, and I can only talk about myself, and like you said, there's other cities around the country that are experiencing the same kind of thing. But I, for my myself... Uh, one of the big questions is where we're an aging city with a decreasing population of taxpayers. The tax basis is reduced, being uh, lessening. So I worry about things like that. And I, I the city is facing a, a bevy of lawsuits that haven't been settled yet that could very affect, very much affect our financial outlook as well. And it's being glossed over, I think, by a lot of people, and it's not being discussed. And the less attention you to pay for, pay to it the more likely things are like this to happen again. Uh, we have a many kind of controversy going on with usage of gas cards, for example. Uh, how many other things are going on? Someone brought it to my attention. What about if everybody had a cell phone uh, that they had that were given to them by the city? What kind of bills are they running up? What are they doing? Who's paying for that? And there's other things they could be doing. So to me, corruption is one of the biggest problems we face as a society and how to fight that. I don't know. It's something you and I have discussed. Is it, is it a system that corrupts the people or do corrupt people go into it? Uh, we may never know the answer to that. It may be part of that. It's corrupt people going into a corrupt system. And how do we turn that around? It's through honesty, I guess, and people changing the system altogether. And how do you get good, solid people who probably have other careers into politics to turn a system around that, to fight and entrench bureaucracy that may be corrupt in itself? How do you do that? I don't know. Well, uh, when you think about things like that, so you, you're Sorry, right. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say when you when you're talking about how do you get these better quote unquote people? Because maybe it is corrupt people who feel comfortable and are the only ones that will take part in a corrupt system, and that's why the cycle continues. And maybe I think it's getting worse myself. Uh, uh, in many, you know, local, state, federal government, um, but you know the the problem is we are so desperate for anybody that doesn't seem like they have the the stink of of you know the the old boy network or you know the the corruption mentality that we're easily uh I'm almost tricked if not by them by our own minds to believe that they are a savior because we desperately want that and it's not about a savior getting back to what you're saying earlier um, and you mentioned the gas cards, you know, and and cell phones, and and again, this I'm sure happens many places. There are p- people on on the uh, on the uh, 
the the dime of of the citizens through tax dollars working for the you know the, the public uh who get cards to you know buy things that they need for their job but they end up abusing them that's happened here in Scranton yes that was a big article in the paper uh, i read recently and and that you know that person will get away with it i'm sure he got a slap on the wrist and he you know you got embarrassed in the local paper but he'll get away with it because it's He's in the right clan, you know, and those cl- those folks in those clans take care of them, each other, you know, and they might say, look, you shouldn't, have, you went too far, you know, you went too far, and now, okay, now we wrote about you in the paper, but, you know, they're not going to write too many articles because they're friends of ours too, but, you know, they had to do it, and, you know, you have to be accountable, but now just keep your head down and this will blow over. That's like the most punishment these folks get. It is, and there's something wrong with that. There should be a better system to deal with, discipline problems like this i think that uh, there's no fear of losing your job this man hasn't you're right he has no fear of that in a private corporation he'd be gone uh in my own job i know of someone who was doing something similar he was taking the company uh credit card and filling up his own cars with gasoline he was using they caught on and they fired him right and it's as simple as that he was stealing yes there was no question and uh once they found out he was gone and that's what should have happened to this guy Oh, I'm sure he's, he's still a on the payroll. Employee. Yeah. He is. And uh, he will be. And he knows that. And that's one of the reasons he felt comfortable doing it. Right. He knew that there was nothing, that they couldn't do anything to him. So. Well, yeah, because of the past. You and, know, they've seen, he's seen people, you know, get away with it before. You get a slap on the wrist. You know, it's, it's one of the adages around here that you know is very popular. And again, it might be popular in many places. Uh, it's easy to to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. Or, you, you know, well, I, my only fault was I got caught. It's not like there's no ethical or moral imperative, <laughs> you know? It's what can you get away with? That when, when, when that's the mindset, geez, where are you going? How are you really going to do well for your, your, your city, for your community with that mindset? You're not, and that's one of the problems with... Uh the attitude of some of the people in the in working in this city is that we're owed it. It's it's ours now, and uh, whatever we do, we're going to get it, and we're going to spend the money that we have. It's not our money, so we're not really going to pay attention to how we spend it or who we give it to. Uh, we don't have to be that responsible because ultimately, there's really nobody paying attention to what we're doing, and that was one of the great problems. That is one of the great problems in the city is no one is really watching what the school board does with the money or or the city council, and people are starting to pay more attention now. But we're also a city that has a school board that's, what, $2 million in debt or something, or even more than that. And, I mean, this is a tricky issue, too, because one thing these people do is vote. And they will go out and they will find candidates. Yeah, Uh, They vote. And uh, one of the school board members who was in trouble this year at one of the meetings he was being harassed by some of the people in the union. And at one point he said, I've been good to you people. Right. Uh, what does that mean? He's been good to them. Right, right, exactly. You're not elected just to give people things. But if you feed that uh, machine so, that comes out and gets the vote out, then you're more likely to win. And that's the way it works. It's not about what is the, in the best interest of the most utilitarianism or, again, being thoughtful and really analyzing the situation as, as much as you can before you make a decision as a leader. It's about satisfying that machine that will keep you in office. 
you know, and that's what that's at the state level. That's at the federal level. You know, look, look at the Senate and the House of the, of the United States government. Um, I don't even want to look at the executive branch because it makes me nauseous. But, you know, uh, they those folks, they're just always playing the polls. Right. They're always looking to see about whether uh, they are going to be reelected most of the time, unless unless they have a gig waiting for them in the private sector where it doesn't matter anymore to be in, in that position, uh, you know, as a senator or a House member. They could just go into a consulting firm or what have you. And, and they're and they're good to go. They're set up. It's yeah. We need better people. We need better people. Maybe you should run, Bruno Milo. Uh, let's shift gears. Or you? Get angry. Well, you nah, I'd rather do this. I'd rather just talk about it and <laughs> analyze it. Uh, how about um, trying to understand oneself? I think that's a a good place. You know, you're not going to do well uh, out. You know, in the larger world, if you're not doing you know, well with your own little world, so to speak. So, I mean, how do you try to understand yourself? How do you do you or, or is that scary? <laughs> do I do things that I, I don't understand? I absolutely do. Uh, maybe that's my problem. But I think one of the issues that I have, I've been trying to overcome for the last few years is I'm impulsive. Uh, as I've been told by members of my own family, I don't think about the consequences of my actions. And it's true. Sometimes I, I just do things. I don't think about them. If I have a feeling about something I want to do, I just do it. I've always been that way, and it's the last few years I've been trying to change. But you have, I have to be more self-aware about it. I, have I stopped myself on occasion? Yes. But uh, self-awareness, and say you have to really work at it, I think, at times if you're not born that way, and I'm not, I guess. And uh, so it's been a struggle the last few years trying to curb my impulsiveness. It's worked to a certain degree, I think, but I still have some way to go on it. So I'll probably always be that way. And if I, it's one issue I have, I can live with it. I mean, but I have done impulsive things, and I continue to do them. And uh, my sister continues to remind me. So your sister. Now I have to mention, um, you are cutting out a little bit. I don't know if you're moving around a lot when you're talking, but if you can. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, I might have been having trouble with my phone lately, so I apologize. I dropped it a few days ago. Uh, was that impulsive? You didn't throw it against the wall on impulse, no? <laughs> no, not, no. I can't say this time it was not. Slippery hands, I guess. And you said your, your sister reminds you about how to be less impulsive. You is that what you said? No, she just reminds me of, of what I've done wrong. Not that I, not to be less impulsive. No, uh, just to remind you of what you've done wrong, and and you like that. I wouldn't say I like it all the time, but I understand what she's saying. So, yeah, and she doesn't correct me all the time. She's my sister, but uh, she's she's there, and she will be. And uh, there are sometimes I need to re- be reminded about my impulsiveness. So, and and um, how old are you now for the listeners? You're in your fifties, right? Yes, and I'm still impulsive. Do you think it's hard to change when you you have five decades under your it's belt? Incredibly hard to change. Yes, 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 I do. I think it's hard to change anyone. I, and I think that to tr- if you try to change someone else, you're you're going to be in for a fight. Changing yourself is enough of a struggle. Uh, for me, it has been, and like I said, it, every day, I don't want to sound like an AA or anything, or it's a 12-step program, but every day I have to think about it, and I have to be more aware, and uh, I fight my impulsiveness. And some of my impulses are good, and some of them aren't, so weeding that out sometimes can be a little bit of a, an issue as well, I guess. 
I feel like I'm talking to my analyst, but <laughs> this is this is free, so yeah, it is free. It is free, no doubt about that. Uh, and I don't know how useful, but uh, I, I'm I'm hoping uh, maybe we could connect with some some of the folks out there who who deal with similar things and they don't feel alone. And and maybe we make them laugh a little bit too. You know, maybe give them an idea of what to do or what not to do. I don't know. Uh, Bruno Milo, a good friend, longtime contributor. Writer, social critic, and sports enthusiast on the program. Fascinating conversation, as always. Thanks so much for taking time out, Bruno. We'll talk to you again in 2020. Sounds good. Ciao. Standing in the dockets of Hampton, trying to get to Holland or France. The man in the Mac says, You've got to go.
from Sleep Chasings by Walt Whitman. I wander all night in my vision, stepping with light feet, swiftly and noiselessly stepping and stopping, bending with open eyes over the shut eyes of sleepers, wandering and confused, lost to myself, ill-assorted, contradictory, pausing and gazing and bending and stopping. How solemn they look there, stretched and still. How quiet they breathe, the little children in their cradles. The wretched features of ennuis, the white features of corpses, the livid faces of drunkards, the sick grave faces of onanists, the gashed bodies on battlefields, the insane in their strong-doored rooms, the sacred idiots, the newborn emerging from gates, and the dying emerging from gates. The night pervades them and enfolds them. The married couple sleep calmly in their bed, he with his palm on the hip of the wife, and she with her palm on the hip of the husband. The sisters sleep lovingly side by side in their bed. The men sleep lovingly side by side in theirs. And the mother sleeps with her little child carefully wrapped. The blind sleep and the deaf and dumb sleep. The prisoner sleeps well in the prison. The runaway son sleeps. The murderer that is to be hung next day. How does he sleep? And the murdered person how does he sleep? The female that loves unrequited sleeps, and the male that loves unrequited sleeps. The head of the moneymaker that plotted all day sleeps, and the enraged and treacherous dispositions, all, all sleep. I stand in the dark with drooping eyes by the worst suffering and restless. I pass my hands soothingly to and fro a few inches from them, the restless sink in their beds, they fitfully sleep. The earth recedes from me into the night. I saw that it was beautiful, and I see that what is not the earth is beautiful. I go from bedside to bedside. I sleep close with the others, sleepers, each in turn. I dream in my dream all the dreams of the other dreamers, and I become the other dreamers. I am a dance. Play up there. The fit is whirling me fast. I am the ever-laughing. It is new moon and twilight. I see the hiding of deceurs. I see nimble ghosts, whichever way I look. Cash and cash again, deep in the ground and sea, and where it is neither ground or sea. Well do they their jobs, those journeymen divine, only from me can they hide nothing, and would not if they could. I reckon I am their boss, and they make me a pet besides, and surround me and lead me, and run ahead when I walk, to lift their cunning covers, to signify me with stretched arms, and resume the way. Onward we move, a gay gang of blackguards, with mirth-shouting music, and wild flapping pennants of joy. I am the actor and the actress, the voter, the politician, the emigrant and the exile, the criminal that stood in the box, he who had been famous, and he who shall be famous after today, the stammerer, the well-formed person, the wasted or feeble person, 
I am she who adorned herself and folded her hair expectantly. My truant lover has come, and it is dark. Solid pigskin and lace spirals through the air and lands in manicured hands tan and soft as chiffon on a spring Saturday morning. And she runs under the tall leafless winter strong tree, touchdown, soon to be followed by deep kisses and handfuls of gluteus maximus.
best wisdom wasted on the young Spend your mornings thinking about the night Don't carry fire, you can use my light Episode 347 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our regular contributor and good friend, Bruno Milo, our associate producer and another good friend, Dr. Michael Pavise, and of course the grand wizard of poetry, Walt Whitman, as well as these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Tristan, Foxygen, The Beatles, Riley Walker, Erica Wennerstrom, Brantford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. Until next week, let's give it a go and try to enjoy this one. Thanks so much for listening.